0: 23 of the Flames Fancast. Today's episode, we're going to be really dissecting the season and seeing how things have, uh, well, gone oh so wrong for the Calgary Flames. Uh, we were supposed to have our friend who was on one of the earlier episodes, Darshan Ricky, but uh, he he hurt himself. He blew out his knee so he can't be with us today. We hope you get well soon. Hopefully it's nothing too serious with that knee. And uh, we'll have him on in the near future sometime talking about Maybe what the Flames do around draft day or something like that. But with us today, we have Chris Lipset, who was with us uh, when we talked about Flames-Oilers relations and on that podcast. So hello, Chris. How are you?
1: Doing all right. Doing all right.
0: That's good. That's good. And we have, of course, the inimitable, the irreplaceable, Jink. Hi, Tyler. Gentlemen, we ended our season, Flame season, um... 14 points behind LA, and LA took the the wild card spot um, for the Pacific, or I guess for the for the Western Conference. They had one of those spots. Around I don't know 15 or even 10 games, we were we were neck and neck with those teams: Anaheim, San Jose, Calgary, LA. And then we ended up 14 points uh, behind them. So what was it really that contributed to our season-ending collapse?
2: I think it was a uh, it was a number of things. Um, for starters, we had some pretty major injuries. Uh, not making an excuse for anything here, but you have a situation where Kachuk gets injured, and then we don't what? We don't win a game for, what, seven games after that?
0: We didn't win, I don't know. I, don't uh, agree, no. or
2: it, I mean, K. whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. So we had injuries. We had the coaches being even more dog shit than normal and then we also had a team that just like showed how frail they are pers- just just before wise, we go on like how us. are they even worse like what was it that they did that made them even worse well they lost they lost the enti- like they lost their desire to actually do some tactical changes during the game because you could see their by, by their body language they knew everything was done it was over for them right once we got like 8 or 9 points out of a playoff spot they were finished themselves like, they weren't even changing the lines up. The only thing they did was bring players up, like Fu and, and uh, well, you know... The, the currently revolving door of just players coming right. in and out. So, he, they, the only thing they did was bring guys up from the A, which I thought was a stupid idea, actually, because you don't want to bring young guys up to a poisonous atmosphere like this for the sake of just giving them a couple major league games here. Um, they didn't try to like change the lines up properly. Like it just they look like fucking shit. So I didn't really like have any like desire to watch the games because everyone's body language was terrible. The players didn't even give a shit either. Even the guys that are brought up from the A, they didn't even try that hard. Like I didn't see well, anything from Rasmus Anderson, honestly, that you know, discerned them from anybody else.
0: One of the most frustrating things is that you just look at the way the way we spin it in the PR sense. Like uh, an article coming out of the Flames was that the pipeline between Stockton and Calgary has been fruitful and beneficial all season long. And talent has been going back and forth both ways to the benefit of both teams. Well, Calgary did not finish in the playoffs. And you can't can't look at me and say that wasn't a a season goal going into the season. At a minimum, make the playoffs. At an absolute minimum. And then even when we have like uh, you know we started losing three four games on the trot, and that when we had that eight game losing streak, the the message coming from the club was that oh we're not throwing in the towel yet. We're anything can happen. We're still we're gonna still keep going. Just like completely opposite of what they're radiating in their persona and their play and their actions. Just really hard to suck that all in and take it in.
2: Good enough, man. Seriously, we're, we're not good enough. We've, we've, we weren't good enough all year. Like, we had some pretty, like I mean, we had some monstrous runs. We had that one after he hucked a stick. Like, we had that run there. But why do we rely on ourselves every season to have these crazy-ass runs just to like, try to make a playoff spot? If you're such a good team, if you are a good team, you shouldn't have to resort to these crazy like eight- or nine- or ten-game runs just to get you into a playoff spot.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, no team really relies on that. I mean, you put what you really want to do is put, well, we, we rely on it to what? We didn't make the playoffs.
2: For two seasons, we've done that.
0: Yeah, and the last season we made it, and we were out what? We made it last season, right? We got swept four games in a row. And I look, I look at these playoffs this year, watched a number of games, and we play any one of those teams in any conference, we are getting absolutely annihilated. Like just wrecked. The level of hockey has just gone up a lot. I mean it's playoff hockey. That happens all the time. But if we were in that in that boat, in that mix, oh, it would be it would be painful. It would be four games and we'd be toast. We'd get swept again, whoever we were playing. Probably Vegas. Vegas would just clean our clock. I mean, Vegas didn't care that last game of the season. They let Jankowski have four goals. <laughs> big whoop. Big whoop. But uh I mean, just from a fan's perspective, it was embarrassing to see us in the race so close and to just absolutely capitulate like that. I mean, I'm just... I shake my head when I look back and think about it, and I say, oh, man, what a disaster that was. Anyhow, that collapse, season ending, 14 points behind L.A. It's really tough to stomach. It's really tough to stomach. Chris, you got anything to comment in on that?
1: Well, I think the... Problem with the Flames is the problem with a lot of teams is that they got half a really good team. Um, you look at Calgary's top six, you look at their top pairing, and you look at Mike Smith before he got hurt, and they can go toe to toe with any unit in the league. Uh, but their bottom six is just a tire fire, and just like and when Brody and uh, Hamonic started playing like dog shit, their bottom four of their defense is a tire fire. And as we're seeing with teams like Winnipeg, we're seeing with teams like Vegas, is that depth is what's getting teams through. The top six Calgary has will walk all over anything Vegas can throw out there. But for those 15 to 25 See? minutes, you've got to put your depth out there. Vegas or Winnipeg or Nashville, those teams are just going to railroad you. And that's what we I saw mean, in the I last really, two I, weeks. I
0: really think we only have a top line. And that, that, that's that's Monaghan, Goudreau, and Kachuk. And then Backland is, is really knocking on the door there. But after that, you've got Furland and you've got Froelich, who are perennially on our top lines, one and two, but I mean, those two players are, they're not really cracking into the top two of many other teams, I'd say, like you're looking at Froelich and, and Furlan, they're decent players, but they're not amazing, but I mean, yeah, our, our, our top line, Goudreau, Monahan, and, and Kachuk, that's, that's a toe-to-toe line with any team in the NHL, any line in the NHL, and I mean, our defense touted as one of the top five defenses in the league, but as you quoted so eloquently, what a tire fire that
1: was. Um, I'm an Oilers fan. I've been watching tire fire defenses for a long time, <laughs> and I can tell you, Hamilton and Giordano are maybe the best pairing in the league, but you can only play them 25 minutes. Then there's, there's 35 minutes where you're just going to get... I mean, I don't know about... Gio, and, and I mean, this is the point I want to touch on too, but you have that major injury,
0: and Gio had that bicep injury, and he was an absolute powerhouse before he had that injury. Like, a... A, a, a defenseman who could shut you down And had offensive upside Like he was a strong, solid player Norris trophy candidate some seasons
1: oh, Absolutely But
0: but then that injury And his play just hasn't been the same And maybe he's going older And, you know, usually you see these players Like, l- let's say for a Chara type player His decline has been a very slow slope downward And he's still competing in the NHL At a high level at, uh, How old is Chara? He's 40 I mean. high, He's 40 Gio's what, 31, 32?
1: He's 34 He's old
0: you think so? We're gonna we're gonna look this up, but I'm afraid Gio's gonna have that that decline is gonna all of a sudden hit a cliff pretty soon here. Yeah,
1: it could happen next year. It could happen in four years. He's an elite player, so you you're uh, you're, you're probably hoping it's gonna be later. But uh, pretty much any player once you hit 35, um, yeah, that cliff could be coming anytime soon. But truth of the matter is, if you're looking at this season and you're blaming guys like Giordano, then you're in the wrong place because there are he. He's a kind, he's the kind of player who would no. walk onto the top pairing of at least 20 teams in the league.
0: Yeah, I know that. I, I'm not. I'm not blaming Giordano for this season. I'm just saying where we're saying our top players are coming from. And, and I'd put Gio and, and Hamilton as bona fide number one pairing for sure oh, for absolutely. the Flames. But uh, I think we're just looking at our team and maybe saying these guys are bringing m- more, we're valuing them skill-wise at a higher level than they actually are, because our our perception of our players is we're thinking these guys are going to do X, Y, and Z throughout the season, and actually that's not what's actually happening for the Flames, and we look at, you know, what what's happened with our defense, uh, thinking that defense being better than it was, and it just wasn't, and that's, not a thing that's contributing to the 14-point collapse, but just throughout the whole season. So, I mean, if we're looking at the season as a whole, where did, where did we go so wrong this year? Because we're sitting there in August, September thinking, you know, we've really, we've really set up for a run in the playoffs this year. We're thinking this team can go deep. And everyone was thinking that. Management, players, fans. And all of a sudden... It not Well, maybe not all of a sudden. No, but
2: Well, I, I mean, I won't speak on behalf of the fans or whatever, but I wasn't expecting that at all. I wasn't expecting to even make the playoffs this year. I had some hope when we were uh, doing well for, like, the first third of the season there. Um, but you can tell that the play was not sustainable. It was like, I think for a bit there, our power play was actually firing on all cylinders. And that was like the only way we were getting goals, right? When Versteeg Versteeg was around. around. So like that was the only time we were getting like the majority of our goals or at least the majority of our chances. So you knew that that's not a sustainable long-term success story for the Flames. And and as, there you go, Versteeg gets injured. And then all of a sudden our power play was just amongst the worst in the league. So that, I mean, that, that right there says how imbalanced we were on the team. I still like, think it's not necessarily the players, but it's the coaching first. It's the management second, and it, then it's the players. Because in the end, if you have a coach that's putting certain players on certain lines or he's not rewarding certain players for playing a certain way, then how much can these guys add value, really? Right? Like if you like, I, I keep going back to this Bennett thing where he was on the first line after uh, Furlin got injured, and he was playing really well in that first line. And then all of a sudden we pick up fucking Chris Stewart, who <laughs> fucking sucks. Guy can't, guy couldn't break the first line any team in the NHL. And yet we were the we were the team in the guy NHL that waivers. gave him. Yeah, we. And he then was you, on you, fucking you collect waivers.
0: the guy off waivers and insert him into
2: your first line. Why, why did you get hit this guy? So management's fault number one for getting him. What the fuck were you thinking? That was stupid. Number two, coach's fault for putting him on the first line when we had a guy like Bennett who finally looked like he was starting to get some sort of confidence in his game, like his mental game was getting a little bit better. And it's just better for a guy to play on the first line. It's just, it's a morale booster. And guys like him who have raw talent need some morale like that. So, and now all of a sudden he sees fucking some hack come in, some fucking plug who couldn't even make the team on any other team. And yet we put him on the first line. And so when you're Bennett and you're looking at that, you're probably thinking, well, what the fuck do I have to do to make the first line here? right? It's the same thing with Kachuk. I'm surprised that kid has that as much character as he does because there are a lot of players that if they were stuck in Kachuk's place, especially at the beginning of the season, he was benched again at the beginning of the season this year and the beginning of the season last year when he took a couple dumb penalties or whatever. Yeah, because no other flame takes shitty penalties at all, right? But he fucking gets benched and he's arguably our most competitive and consistent player like out of all the players, and he could have easily been like, well, what the fuck do I have to do? You know, I'm watching guys like Furlin who can't keep up with the first line, still gets 20, 25 minutes a game. I get one dumb penalty and I, I sit for like four shifts. The fuck is that? That's yeah, a coaching but problem. He, as you said,
0: he doesn't do that. And as you've said before, the coach realizes that Kachuk responds to a benching.
2: Yeah, so he uses him as an example. But it's not an example because the players know that he'll take it. Because Kachuk is coached by the best non-coach of this team, his fucking dad. His dad doesn't even work for the organization. The only reason why Kachuk is as good as he is is because of his dad. He talks to his dad after every game. And I'm sure his dad reams him out for all the stupid shit that he does. And he praises him for all the good things that he does. And he gives him pointers on how to be better next game. I bet you that's exactly what happens. And that's why he's so good. I don't think Gullitson does that.
0: So you mean he's actually being coached?
2: He's actually being coached, so there's value in actually that's having a good coach. That's what you mean to say. Yeah, just bring fucking... This,
0: my just, dad comes in and tells me what I did wrong, and I get chewed out for just that. Just bring Daddy Kachuk, right?
2: man. Just bring him as a coach, because he's sure shit doing a better job than anyone else on this fucking team. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> that's all.
0: I mean, I don't know. That was more of like, what went wrong, I guess. We got the coaching, primarily focused on the coaching and just how the man management is an absolute nightmare. But I mean it's just I look at this team and I look at their 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 fight and their motivation game in, game out. And some games, sure, they're absolutely really up for it. And when they're playing up for it, they look like a good team. They look strong. They look committed. In other games, they're just It's like they're just going through the motions. They do not care. I mean you know, I find I find it hard to derive any inspiration from any of our assistant captains, Monahan, Brower, Hamilton. Hamilton's an assistant, isn't he? I think so. He's not. Who's the other A? Is
2: it a Brower?
0: Monahan, Brower and who?
2: Brower. <laughs> Gio Monahan, Brower. Gio's a captain. We have no, three assistants. No, I know but no, we only have two, don't we? No, we have three. Okay, well whatever. I mean, okay. Gio so, is
0: 34 by the way, which which yeah. d- when, 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 when considering any he's criticism like, I mean, of him, he's, you know? of he's, had, he's had it pretty good. He's done, he's done well for 34. I mean, asking him, asking him to carry that kind of load is unfair, and he's shouldering that kind of weight. But, uh, and I mean, I look at our home record too, and how come our coaches couldn't turn around our, our home performance in the Dome with the fans? How come the players couldn't turn that around? How come we were so good on the road and so poor at home? That's just, that's just, I mean, you have this team who can perform like this on the road. That's, that's, that's a, that's a recipe for, for getting right, into We need playoffs. a new stadium,
2: man. <laughs> oh,
0: God. And I mean, that's another thing too. Do you think stadium, that was bro. hanging over their heads?
2: Well, I don't think it helped that whole fucking Houston thing. You knew that like, who Seattle. who's the guy, who's the guy that um, you, you were kind of calling out a few episodes ago. They wrote an article about Houston. Eric Francis. Eric Francis, was that you mentioned that right? Sure. Yeah. That so, that was Eric Francis. Yeah, yeah. But you know that like you know that ownership and management of the Flames like fucking trolled the guy to do that article. No, he's like he's, he's just like a he's a mouthpiece for, for management. For sure. So like yeah, that that's a good point. That doesn't help us at all. You you think camaraderie comes out of a fucking team that posts like news articles talking about how they they're threatening to move out of the city? Like as a, as a player, like, how do you think you feel about that? Well, you know, they're always saying we're trying not to focus
0: on that. We're trying to focus on everything on the ice, but I mean, it was a huge distraction at the beginning of the season and it's got to be there the whole time, right? Oh, I've signed this long-term contract and maybe if I play like crap, we're going to move.
2: But it's a big deal too, because you look at Goudreau's last season, that distraction with his contract thing really fucked him up. Yeah. He didn't play well for like what the first 15 games.
0: No, yeah, uh, he was not, like...
2: So it's a real thing.
0: And he's got over it now. Yeah. But, well, I mean, well, that so. distraction's different. A contract distra- distraction and a stadium distraction are different things, right? Contract is personal to you. and That's, yeah. like, your livelihood. The, you're still going to have that contract if the team moves from Calgary to Houston or whatever. But just, just what we... And I mean, that's, that's ownership, too. That's ownership yeah. letting that happen. Letting this fight become very public. Letting this laundry be aired in that sense, and then challenging the city in the public forum and doing all these things, and then she got reelected. Yeah. Bottom line, then she got reelected. Like that's another four or five years where you guys are dealing with the same guy. Which uh, I mean, the flames basically had their own candidate in the race, and every
2: everybody saw through it.
0: Oh, but it's not that hard to see through. No, it's not. They ran it, a candidate in a race for an issue around building But it building just goes to show you stadium. how
2: unprofessional this organization is. Like, that—that that is like... That's child's play, man. To do that kind of shit. Like, I expect that out of fucking Middle Eastern countries, you know, like, <laughs> who are trying to, you know, like... Who are being force-fed democracy, you know? Like, they don't know what the fuck is going on. They fix elections and shit. Like, that doesn't happen here. You can't do that. Without getting into the political thing, but... It's true, though, like certain organizations cannot do that. And, and the Flames are definitely one of them. If you're a team that's in there winning cup after cup, you have a dynasty, then maybe you can have a bit more say. And, you know, like, oh, we, we need a new stadium or we need a new practice facility or something like that. Then it's kind of like, well, if you're bringing in uh, black, number, like, uh, black numbers into the uh, financial statements, you're making money, you know, you're helping the community out. Okay, like then you kind of have some sort of leg to stand on, but we're, as far as I know, that we're, we're not making money, we're losing money now. We're we're in the red. Yeah, and we're one of the receivables from the NHL. How are we losing money though?
1: So let's uh, well let's, let's not take the uh, the NHL's uh, word on stuff like that. They're under no obligation to release any financial statements, no, so they I, can I'm, just I'm say thinking, whatever they yeah. want to push their point. You guys are talking about the home record here, but there's, let's let's talk about Calgary. Calgary's a Calgary is a a city with a lot of hardworking people. They put in their money. They spend a lot of their disposable income to go to see hockey games. You guys know how expensive it is to sit down there. Yes. So every time they're going there, they're supporting a bunch of billionaires who are crying poor. You think they're really 100% want to cheer for an organization when the organization is sitting around threatening the city that they aren't getting enough money? Like it, it, it doesn't sit well with a lot of people who, who burn their, their, their 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And they spend, I mean, uh, how much does it take family of four to a game? If you had good seats and you want to, you, it, you're talking 200 five hundred 300 bucks. 500 it's bucks like 500 for 500. one family night. Family
0: of four, let's say a ticket's 100 bucks. And
1: then these guys are, are are, coming with their with their questionable math saying, we're not making any money. And well, there's a lot of people in Calgary who aren't making a lot of money right now. So maybe it's time to, to shut up perform out there and then maybe things will get better if they actually ice a better product
0: yeah i mean that's i mean icing a better product is a whole other kettle of fish but uh i mean i agree with you completely the fact that we're crying foul about the financial statement is i look at this team and i think if the nhl can prop up teams like florida like arizona and you see those games on tv because Sportsnet shows whatever games every goddamn night, they're showing everything. You're just looking at these stadiums that are empty. Even an Anaheim game, like, I'm just looking around the seats. There, there's nobody there. The stadium is half full. And Calgary, I mean, I think we're looking at a minimum. Those tickets are almost always sold. Someone has, has bought those tickets for the season. And maybe they're just not going, but the ownership is still getting the money. And, and you're right. Like, for a family of four, you, let's say 100 bucks a, a ticket, and then you got all those service charges, fees. You buy a hot dog. You buy a couple beers. 500 bucks, 500 bucks for one night.
1: For three hours of entertainment. Yeah, three hours. Plus five. getting, the, I mean, it's a yeah. downtown location. If you drive, you park there. If you uh, and parking, it's, it's on a Tuesday in January in Calgary, which is never a nice night to go traveling anywhere, even if it's a decent location for a rink. But I
2: think, mean, I think ownership
1: needs to wear uh, some of the performance this year because they certainly didn't do much to, uh, to help the, the, the home experience.
0: What I think it is for the Flames this season was it was just a case of death by a thousand cuts. Like, there were so yeah, many... That's
1: my GM's line. You can't steal that. <laughs> Chiarelli's been, been preaching all year, but we can get to the Oilers later.
0: There were so many little things that built up for the Flames throughout the season. The stadium, the power play, the coaching, um, the injuries, ownership, Ownership. the fact that someone's hot dog was too cold, you know, the fact that they ran out of Budweiser one night, whatever. It was all just uh, a nightmare that nobody could really overcome these small little problems. we are saying, well, our power play is doing horrible right now, so maybe... If we buckle up on defense and really dig in for games and grind out a couple two one wins or something like that, it'll all start clicking one day. And it just never started clicking again. And we had all these problems that we could never really solve. And nothing there was no answer to any of these issues throughout the season. Like how 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 long did the power play problems persist? Pretty much the half the season at least. Half the season with a power play like that? And I mean you look at Columbus, who had one of the worst power plays in the NHL for a long time, they're in the playoffs. The, what, what are they? They're one game up on Washington right now, right? And, I mean, they're just, they're just playing as a team, not letting the distractions get to them. And I think if I'm going to place the number one, I guess, culpability, the, the, main, the main culprit this season it's, for me it's coaching. I mean, the coaching just – the coaching didn't motivate the players. They didn't change enough when we were, things were going wrong. They didn't have answers to any of the problems that we were facing on the ice. And, you know, all those logistical issues off the ice and problems with ownership, with, with the stadium, with the city, with figuring out what was going on, that was all just a sideshow that, that could have been put away, but we, we just we just let it linger for so, so long. And, and you can't have all these things – going there, you need these guys completely focused on what they're doing, like you look at any professional sport, the night before, you're, you're in your hotel room sequestered getting ready to go, like you read a biography of any player, they're talking about how they focus and getting ready to go, and what they're, what they're sacrificing to have, uh, they're sacrificing their lives essentially to have that game set mentality ready to go the night before. I don't know if we really had any of that instilled in our team at any given point, or if the reins were just too loose on these guys to just do whatever they want. But it just seems like the coach has no control. I mean, it's, it's just so, so grim (laughs) to
2: talk about it. I think like for me, like the number one thing though, aside from we can blame coaching management players, whatever. But I think the, uh, environment that the flames organization have as a whole is a failing environment so like they don't run it like a business as, as bad as it sounds so for example no other team in the nhl would have put up with brody's really shit performance that he was having for the first 10 15 games all the all the turnovers he had that actually some of them in which yeah, they but, led I mean, to a loss but no but this is a big deal So Brouwer's, like, inability to fucking perform consistently to a level based on his contract. You have other guys on the team that are not performing at all. And then we're keeping guys for the sake of because they're good guys. You have a coach that makes these, you make these, uh, you bring these coaches in who make these relationships with these players like he's the big brother. But in reality, you need to be the coach, not the fucking brother. So I think Golodson has that. Uh, mentality where he's like, I'd rather be friends with these guys than be their boss because I think I get the most out of them that way. You know, he needs that's to what be... He, but that's what he has. The headmaster of an well, orphanage, right, man. exactly. That's, you want another scoop of porridge? No goddamn way. That's what I'm saying. So the environment in the flames, we're... It, it's going to sound kind of pretentious here, but we're too fucking classy. Like, we, we got to let that shit go. I think classy is the wrong word. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? We're too millennial, man. We're too pandering. We're too... We're pandering. too, we're too like, there's, a, there's a word here. We cave. You know what I'm saying, though, right? So we don't run it like a business. We run it like it's, it's kind of like a buddy's clubhouse like, thing. You know, like we, there was no meritocracy
0: we, for these players.
2: Well, okay, but look at this. Is, we have a team of fucking underperforming line three and four. Line three and four should have been blown up, like two times at least during the season. How many times are our AHL guys should have been called up when we instead brought up Barkowski off, like, uh, off the uh, healthy scratch list? How many times should we have just bought out Brower's contract? How many times should we have just said, and you just got to go, man. You're a great guy, but fuck, you're just no good for this team. <laughs> you 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 suck. You can't play. You have no points. You you don't add any value. And you need to go." Y- you know, we like, I'm sorry. We didn't address any of these things. No, we didn't. And like Brody, like I'm sorry. Your what your wife is going through is something nobody can imagine, but we're still a business. Like we have to make sure that we keep players that are performing and we have to move players that aren't performing and in fact you would maybe be helping Brody out by giving him a change of atmosphere perhaps moving him to a different team maybe a slightly better team where we get some prospects back and then they need a guy like Brody who can come into their second d pairing and start ripping it up Mm -hmm. we'd be doing his career a fucking favor right it's the same with Brouwer like this guy his atmosphere is fucked for him there's guys on Twitter fucking putting GoFundMe accounts to pay out his fucking contract. You think as a professional, you, you're not gonna deal with that, man. Like, it sucks. You, these guys are still fucking human beings, too. So they still gotta deal with that. Like, the environment and the atmosphere of the Flames is shit. And it doesn't, it's not run like a business at
0: all. Well, I mean, your point about Brower, I'm sorry, Brody. We, we shouldn't be trading him to revive his career. We should be trading him to make no, a decision for the Flames.
2: But I'm saying, like, from a Flames perspective, like how we're trying to be good to the good guys and whatever, like, well, here's my twist to you. Make his life better and get him the fuck out of here then. If you're so fucking classy or whatever the word we're looking for, get him out of here because he's not helping us. And he played, he played poor this year, very poor, when he should be a top fucking two defender for us. He had that potential two years ago. What happened? he stopped playing with year down. There you go. And, and then what does that come down to? Coaching.
0: Well, he was it's he, not he was like a he was playing all right with Stone, but then he started playing with Hamanick and anyhow. Trilling. Living gave that uh season ending interview. And I know you just listened to it, Chris, so you'll be the expert on this one, but um there's two points I really wanted to highlight from that. The first point being where he mentioned um, giving a kind of mixed answer about the coach's future, non committal on any of that. And the second point about how saying, you know, you don't just look at this situation and then go in and blow up the team. So, I mean, for me, the non committal answer for Gulletson, I think, just kind of relieves him of the pressure of what the fans are saying about him. I personally think they're not going to fire him. But I uh, could be wrong. Thoughts well, on that?
1: Well, The way I interpreted that is that he thinks he's got a, a good coach, but if a better coach shows up on the market, he's going to go after that. And I think that's the right thing to do. I mean, Gulletson did a lot of things wrong this year. Uh, the fact that he's got, what, the 28th-ranked power play. with uh, When you've got Giordano, Hamilton, uh, Gaudreau, and Monaghan, you should be able to run a top 15 power play. I mean, I know they have – Zero right-hand shots worth a damn, which is a big deal on power plays, the way things are set up, but 28th is pretty unacceptable.
0: Well, Hamilton's a right-handed shot.
1: Well, yeah, but you want a forward. You, usually, your defenseman's uh, running the blue line, and then you, I mean, most, sh- in, in theory, you want the... Avechkin uh, is the best example of it. Uh, you, you, a lack of a right-handed
0: lot, shot on the flames, When hey? you've
1: got a lot of left-handed <laughs> playmakers, like, uh, I mean, Monahan's a finisher, but... I don't it's, even it's know it's who top, plays wait, wait, right
0: wing for this club anymore.
1: Well, your best two right wingers are Frolik and Ferland, who are left wingers that had to move across. So that, that, that's I think that's another big problem with the Flames is that your best right shot a uh, forward is probably Chris Stieg, and Chris Stieg can't stay healthy. And maybe you thought Chris Brower could be or Chris Brower, Troy Brower could be a top six player, but that went out that went out the window. Uh, well, before he even signed his contract, but that's another matter. So as far as for living goes, I think I think he was very un- non-committal on uh, coaching because I think if the right coach comes out on the market, I think he would have no problem with turfing Gullitson, but I don't think he wants to fire Gullitson unless he can make a clear upgrade.
0: I mean, who's the right coach? Alan Vino is
1: available. What has he done in the last I don't know, 5 years?
0: He's nursed the Rangers decline.
1: Yeah. yeah. They went to the final, was that 20? Well, that was a while ago, wasn't it? 12? Yeah, but he
0: was still the coach. Was he the coach then? Vigneault? He also had, yeah, when he had. Well, that, you was, have Henrik Lundqvist that was in when he front, got hired. Yeah. And
1: then, and then it's just been downhill. So, I mean, I mean, I don't follow the Rangers close enough to really know, but I don't think there's a lot of people in New York who are really crying over the fact that Vigneault got
0: fired. Oh, I think he's just been there for too long. He needs to change the scenery. It could be true. But, uh,. I know Jenk was, was, was big on Quinville. Quinville staying in Chicago. I mean, who knows what happens with Ken Hitchcock in Dallas. He might just retire, yeah? Yeah. Um, you've got coaches like, hey, Daryl
1: Sutter? Where's Daryl? Uh, Daryl is on his, probably on his farm in uh, Viking, in Viking uh, just chilling out and, I don't know. You got anything branding? on the, the
0: Gillitson thing, Jenk?
1: Well, I'll I add one thing is Barry Trotz is a pretty proven coach, and he took, uh, despite the Capitals, they lost a lot of talent last year. He added them back in the playoffs, which a lot of people didn't but think But Barry was Trotz
0: isn't leaving Washington. Barry,
1: Barry Trotz does not have a contract for next year. He's in the playoffs. His GM got a new contract, but he doesn't have one. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but to say he's a lock to come back next year, uh, that's not true at all. He could very well be available. Well, I mean, I'd love Barry Trotz. I mean, also on
0: TV, he looks like he has the world's broadest shoulders. <laughs> like, he is a square man. He's not fat or anything. He's just wide. Like, he is a wide-set dude. Like, he's, he's, he's got some big shoulders. Or maybe it's just those suits from the 1980s he still wears with the shoulder pads and stuff. I don't know. But, uh...
2: Well, I think this team, I think you need to blow it up. And I think uh, Trelloving's answer was a cop-out. And as Chris actually made a very good point there that he's just sort of saying it so that he's like, if something better comes by, we'll look at it. But right now we have faith in the guy. So he's basically saying, like, I'm going to support you till someone's better. So, yeah, I'm not really supporting you. Uh, So if you're Gullitson, you're probably thinking, well, that that sucks. I don't want to hear that. Well, isn't um, that what you
0: be shoo- should be doing as a business anyhow?
2: No, not if at I, all. If I can no. upgrade in all of these no. areas? No, You don't think so? If my business was failing for two years, i fucking clean house. I don't even no, bother with that, this. No, that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, no, but even if the coach team was is successful him, and you found, you found an upgrade on a player that you could get, wouldn't you do that? No, I'd be firing people right now and then getting something completely different. Because someone better than the, everyone is better than me now, the way I'm looking at it. Well, like I'm well, looking at Vigneault. Exactly. It should better. be blowing it up. Yeah. Vigneault is better than, uh, than Gullitson. Barry Trotz is definitely better. And I didn't know that. So thanks for bringing it up, Chris. But Barry Trotz is actually probably one of the best coaches in the NHL right now. He built Nashville and Nashville's a fucking force now. He wow. like, I mean, he was there for years. He built a system. He built a team and he, he laid the foundation for what they are today. And don't forget they were a budget team for a long they time. They were totally a budget team. And then he goes to Washington, and he, th- th- honestly, maybe it's not a miracle, but it's actually quite impressive what he pulled off here. So I'm surprised that he doesn't have a contract for next season yet. That seems kind of surprising to me. Uh, but anybody, I would even take a chance on, other, on the best AHL coach right now and bring him on the team because this isn't working at all. I would blow it up. There's none of this, I'm going to wait till we find someone better so we'll keep you around. That, that stuff ended last year to me. That you give, you give a team, you give staff one year of that kind of uh, leeway, and that's it. Now we're in a second year or is third year. Like it's kind of like, well, you haven't done anything better. You, you, we've actually regressed as, a, as an organization. Yeah. Because we actually Regression made the playoffs. Regression is the right word. Right. We made the playoffs the year prior. We got stronger in theory. We got stronger in theory on paper, but we were way worse. So what, what happened? And you're gone. That's it. And blowing up the team is the answer, that in my opinion. And uh, if we don't have a GM that's willing to do that, then he's fucking gone too, in my eyes. I mean, I didn't like when he said uh, blowing up
0: is not the answer because what have we got to, to restock the cupboards with? Not much. And we're, we've pretty much seen everything we've got this year anyhow coming up from the A. Um, we don't have a first. We, we don't have second, but we do have Travis Hamanick. Oh, and, I mean, when I look at us, I, I'm drawing a comparison. We're becoming like a St. Louis light, a team that most of the time makes the playoffs but never but never really amounts to anything, and that's just kind of okay for them. Like, I've never seen St. Louis really they're they're a good team like and sometimes people think oh they could go all the way but they never really do and it always seems to be just okay and they never really seem to make any big changes like a piece goes here and there they might lose a guy here and there but i mean they never really seem too keen on becoming that absolute nightmare team to play against you know worrying becoming a chicago or an la or a pittsburgh you just never see that from St. Louis. And, I, and that's, that's, that's almost like what we're becoming. We have a couple of good players, and you, you, we might make the playoffs every now and then, and yeah, it's exciting, but everyone knows we're, we're, if we get past the first round, it's, it's, it's really lucky. Um, and then it, once we get past that first round, we're found out really fast. And I think, I think we need people in the organization who are not satisfied with complacency. And they're always striving to be better. There's always something you can do to be better. And we need to fill our organization with people like that because whatever we're doing now and whatever we've done for the past couple of years has been below average, below average. So, I mean, yeah, those season-ending interviews are pretty tough and they're not really revealing a lot. Uh, they don't really answer those questions. I mean, the Flames are for notor- notorious for saying one thing and then going out and doing something totally different. But, uh, I mean, I hope it turns around for us. I really do. I hope we make some changes, and I hope we make some serious changes. And I hope the changes don't just stop with making a few trades. I hope I hope it goes through coaching and even into to management. And even ownership. If there's, like, a rich dude who wants to buy us, you know, Maybe those Middle Eastern people you were talking about—if they want to come in, that'd be uh, that'd be great. So, I mean, what uh, if you could? What's the biggest thing the Flames need to fix for next year, like to, to kind of to not to stop the regression, as you would say, Jank? W- what is the number one thing that you'd see the Flames doing to to make a change to have you know more than the eighty-four points that we ended our season
2: with this year? Blow it up, blow up, blow up the staff. Blow up the management team and and start making some big trades. Uh, don't be afraid to trade some big assets for something else okay uh, let's, let lets let's say those. theoretically
0: we trade Monahan what do we get? Well from I
2: you? actually would trade Monahan and I'm not going to be popular by saying this, but uh hear me out so the reason why I would trade Monahan is that there's four major injuries that he's had that has been. Kind of kept under the car, like it's been swept under the carpet. Under the wraps. He's he's been given what? Three major surgeries now. He
0: had he had four surgeries this when when he was shut down. He had four surgeries. Okay,
2: so and how old is he? 24. Right. No, he's younger than that. 23. No, he's 23. yeah, okay. So 23. So he's 23. He's already had four major surgeries. What what's going on there? So. If you want to really get some value back, you got to trade someone like him. And I I love Monahan, but dude, like if you got like hip surgery, wrist surgery, these aren't minor things. No, no. These no. aren't minor things by any means. So, if you want to get the value, you got to get it now because if these injuries keep coming back, you're going to lose your value and you're not going to play more than 40 or 50 games a season. And in which case, we need a guy like him playing 82 games a season. So, there aren't many players on the team outside of Goudreau who I would never trade uh, that, and, or Kachuk because Kachuk actually brings it every fucking game. Um, there's not many players outside of those two that can fetch as much value as Monaghan can. And honestly, we put ourselves in this position where we're talking about this. We don't have a first-round pick. We don't have a second-round pick. So what do you do? We need those picks because without those picks, you can't build a foundation for the future. So you have to give up some sort of asset right now that honestly is not working for us. The, the playoffs before, the last playoffs we were at, he looked like he gained twice his weight because he was wearing all these other pads and like other harnesses around his shoulder because he was avoiding another surgery. That doesn't help the team. He was useless that series, useless against Anaheim. You remember that? Yes, when his yes. shoulder looked like it was double the size? Looked like he was a Roman gladiator. Yeah, he looked like a robot. He can not move. He couldn't shoot. This isn't something that's going to be long-term sustainable. These injuries are major. This isn't like, oh, I, I, I pulled my groin or, or whatever. Like, it's nothing like something that you can fix over summer. It's this chronic, That's what you're this saying. This is chronic, yes. So get rid of him while he still has some value. And unfortunately, if we had our first-round pick and our second-round pick, I wouldn't even bother talking about this. But this is the position that we're in now. Because you still have the best defense, like, not the best, you have a top, let's say, five defensive like, line in the league, right? Our top four defenders are still pretty good, especially Hamilton, Geo. Those guys are fucking elite, right? You have a great first line. Uh, you have, like, a pretty good second line. But your third line and fourth line, tire fires, as Chris said, totally agree with that. Well, how the fuck are you gonna get good players now without a first-round pick and a second-round pick? And don't give me this fucking. I'm gonna give a first-round pick for fucking Hamanek. Well, that, then you're a shit GM too because that was fucking terrible. Like, what were you thinking for a defender that doesn't put up many points? Why yeah. would you do that? So this is the position we're in. That's why I know I'm not popular for saying it, but I would I would do major moves like so, that so, this year. So
0: okay, in your mind, then the Monahan. Let's say we trade Monahan. What do we get?
2: I would definitely get a fucking premier right winger and I would try to get a second round pick or a first round pick, obviously yeah. aim for the first round pick from a team that will probably will get like 15th overall or something like that, like someone that's somewhat willing to give that up for, you know, what they see as Monahan as a future talent for them. Right. But I don't see Monaghan long-term with the flames now with those injuries. Right. I give up pro yeah. leaks on the block. Right. You can't put Backlund there. He just signed a fucking five-year deal, which was pretty good value in my opinion. Fine. You can't get rid of Hamilton because he's put himself in a position where he's basically our best defender. No one's going to really give up too much for Gio because he's, he's getting older now. No trade and he's got no trade clause, so there you go. So even then, like, even if we convince him to get rid of that, we're not going to get as much back f- uh, for him. Uh, Brody's value went down this year again, but you have to try to trade him potentially, right? You need to give some. I think you have to trade one of
0: Brody, Hamannik, or Stone.
2: Yeah, well, you can't get rid of Hamannik now because everybody saw the fucking disaster of that trade. They they know what our price tag was for him, and they're gonna probably give half of that. (laughs) Well, I would. If the Flames approached me for Hamannik, they're like, "Yeah, we're we want to give you Hamannik. Like, what would you give for us?" Like, well, I know what you gave, and I'm not gonna give you anywhere close to that. So you should probably keep him.
0: (laughs) Great. Thanks. Seriously. I mean, I think we need to trade one of those guys to get something.
2: Well, we need a right winger. I mean, it, it's it's stupid like that. We don't have one like a proper one.
0: Yeah, it is. But I mean, we we need to. I, we, I think we need to blow this team up. I hopefully a stations contract is ending. Am I right? That? Something, something has, has to be done with game. Brower. Um, even some of these guys from the AHL, like Hathaway, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Sorry, like it's just not, it's just not there for me. Um, I don't know if Lazar's earned his spot. Uh, maybe just give these guys from the A a chance and hope something goes. Like you've got to see a player who just takes that opportunity and runs with it. And that has not happened for the Flames since Goudreau, really. Like, we haven't had a, a Goudreau kind of player coming in, or even a guy who just comes in and just is a solid contributor. Like, Bennett, man, next season has to be your season. You have to turn up, and you have to show up, and you have to do something. Because I think what we really need to do is we need to look at this team and decide, you know what, that 3M line, maybe we need to juggle that up. Maybe we need to move Backland up and Monaghan down or we need to move Kachuk up and Furland down or something like that and try something else or insert a, a right winger, which you know we got from the generousness of some other GM who's even worse than ours. Maybe, maybe I don't even know what right wingers are available. But uh, I mean, for me, the biggest fix is a new coach. I think we need a new coach and a new coach that, Keeps these guys on edge, keeps them motivated, and keeps them wanting to perform day in, day out. Where they, where they, where they're, you know, if they're playing for something, play for each other, play for a cause, and something that you can rally around. Because we just, we did not have that all season, and we do have, we have good players. These players are good players. Brody's a good player. Hamannik's a good player. Like Backlund, Kachuk, Monahan, Goudreau, Ferland, they're all good players. Bennett. But they just need – maybe they need that coach that that pulls the best out of them, whoever it is. But uh, for me, that would be it, biggest fix.
1: Chris? So um, I'll, I'll, I'll say the opposite is that I don't think you blow this team up. I think that there's a lot of good pieces here, and I think that if you do some tinkering around the outside, you can get back to being – Maybe not the, the the Nashville Winnipeg contender level, but I don't see there being a huge gap between Calgary and say the Ducks or or um, I mean not not the the Golden Knights because they're sort of a weird thing, but other than those two teams in the in the uh, Western Conference, there's not a huge gap between teams like Calgary and uh, teams like St Louis or L A or anything like that. San so Jose. I think Calgary has to reel really, because they've got. They've got uh, no first-round pick that I think they've got no choice but to be, but to try to be good next year, and I think the assets to move out to try to improve that are Sam Bennett. Um, I mean, if you can if you can move Stone, because there's some decent defenders down in uh, down in what's it uh, Stockton. Stockton that I think um, maybe they just need an extended chance. I mean, not not all of them look great in those additions they had in the last nine games, but that wasn't exactly the perfect environment they didn't didn't have a training camp didn't have all that stuff that maybe they need to go in so maybe you try to move a brody or a stone to make room for uh one of those young guys coming in uh you try to move bennett well i think bennett is just not going to be a great player and i think he might still have some value those high picks always have value longer than they should if you can move him for something now I think you can get rid of him and fill his spot okay. If you can get anyone who can be... If you're playing with Monaghan and Goudreau, you don't have to be elite. You saw Furland produce there. Ferland's a decent yeah. player, but no one's, he's no all-star. If you can get a half-decent right winger, and I don't know who's out there right now, but they, they do show up. Um, even one of those guys, they're like 32, had 18 goals last year, and everyone thinks they're done. You sign them off the, off the trash heap for, you know... $900,000, maybe they produce. Um, Justin just, Williams. There you go. That was so, the guy. Um, I think you got one year left of Mike Smith, and you pray he gives you the performance he did before he got injured. And after that, maybe that is when you start look at maybe this core isn't right. Because I think you've got – you've got. I think if you trade Monaghan, you better get that right. Because Monaghan, we talked, yeah, he's got all those injuries. He's missed 17 games in the last four years. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, and, and in those four years, he averages about twenty nine goals, which is pretty good. And then just rookie year, I mean, he had twenty two. To that
0: point, how many games has he been playing hurt? Who knows, right? But well, there's a, there's a bunch of big games like that Anaheim playoff series where he's
1: playing hurt. Well, you know, in that Anaheim series, he had five points in four games. So I mean, he did okay, and maybe he, maybe he is hurt. Maybe he is hurt all year. I don't care. He's putting up really good numbers. Him and, him and Goudreau are doing very well. The way I see it is if you can win a Monahan trade, yeah, you pull the trigger on that. I just can't imagine you going to market with Monahan and getting fair value back. He's an elite player on a, that's a, a, gu- tough trade a good contract for what he produces, which is goals. He is an elite goal scorer, and that's the hardest thing to do in the NHL. They do not grow on trees. You talk about what was Nashville's problem for 15 years until they got Ryan Johansson. they couldn't find that number 1 center who puts the puck in the net. Monahan is that guy. He may not he's not probably not a top 10 center in the league, but he's a number 1 center. He's close. And you the odds of you winning a trade especially if you're trying to look for prospects and picks, good luck. He's 23. If you need to blow the Flames up, and you're four years away from contending again. Then he's 27. He's at the tail end of his prime. He's still probably potting 30 a year. You pr- you pray that a sixth. O- I think he was sixth overall. You pray that yeah, a sixth overall yeah. turns into Sean Monahan. Yeah. You 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 better knock it out of the park with a Monahan trade. You need to make a trade so good that Sean Monahan goes. Well, I understand why you made that trade because that's a really <laughs> good return for me. Because otherwise, you're you're going to be spinning your wheels. He's a, he's a very good player, and he's young. He's, he's got, like, 100 NHL goals, and he's 23. Good. That, that's, that's really hard to find. So I think you have to twink around the edge. You have to tinker around the edges with this team. I think there were a lot. A lot of things went wrong for this for this Flames team, but they had a lot of really good five-on-five metrics. They were out-shooting teams. They were out-chancing teams. And especially in that last Fifteen minutes or fifteen game stretch where everything went wrong. You look at their goaltending and it was like eight eighty. But I mean, this
0: this yeah, that's true. And like you'll, you'll the, the young goalies we- did struggle a bit there. Yeah,
1: and so I think I think the 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 win loss record is obscuring some some good things. Um, I would agree that uh, I mean I think Goldson's an okay coach. My opinion on coaches that there's about twenty coaches in the NHL who are okay, and there's about five that move the needle. Uh, In a good way, and then their five just got awful ones. I think Gullitson is in that middle, where he's an he's he's a guy you you could replace him pretty easily, but you're also probably okay with him. He's he's no he's no Goudreau, he's no Quenville, he's no Trots, he's no not not one of those elite guys. But I think he's one of any number of decent NHL coaches.
0: But I mean, you you know, you you watch those Flames games, and yes, we outshoot opponents a lot. But the shots we are taking are not really quality scoring chances. Like we are taking shots, we're putting pucks to the net, but they're, you know, they're they're low quality chances. And that's we're getting a lot of shots, but our our scoring chances are not as high as these other teams. Or but I mean, sure the five on five metrics might look nice, but I mean there's there's that hockey sense that you're feeling we're just not creating enough chances really. But uh yeah, a lot of good opinions and a lot of good interesting facts. So what would you fix then? A few tweaks on the outside? Leave leave it as is?
1: I think you uh, maybe even dip into your prospect pool. Um, you've got like, what's it, Valamacki. Uh, yeah, I like him. Valamacki, Adam Fox, and who's the third guy? Another decent... Uh, Anderson, Shillington. Yeah. You, you've got a couple guys that you could probably dangle. Uh, NHL defenders always have high value especially when they're young and cost controlled use that maybe sam bennett maybe uh maybe another one of your your top six defenders because i think that's an area of strength the flames have and then maybe you try to use that to get that right shot guy who can score 15 to 25 if he's playing with some elite guys and if that also maybe picks up your power play, maybe Chris Versteeg stays healthy next year. I mean, that's that's a big. question Well, I mean, mark. if you get
0: that that right winger, Chris Versteeg isn't going to be on that power.
1: play. That's true, or he's on your second power play, or and you, you you don't have to put Troy Brower out there. That's really what. what the, that's really what the goal should be Brower. for these Flames is that you just leave him on the fourth line, and maybe after next year you buy him out. Um, but yeah, I think I think you you try to fix that right side and. You do a real deep dive on TJ Brody. There was a there was a while there where people thought that TJ Brody was a number one defenseman, and he was him and Giordano were doing everything. So, but, so. but now that he's not with Giordano, he's with Hamonic. You figure a real, you look at real close. What is the problem on that pair? Is it was Hamonic just repeat, still hurt? Still had the issues he had in his last season on the island. Or is TJ Brody just in a tailspin? And it's—I mean, I wasn't aware of these personal issues he's going through, and if they're serious involving his wife, maybe you say if that gets sorted out, you still got a player there. But you figure out real quick whether TJ Brody is going to return to his previous form, and if that answer is no, you try to get what you can for him.
0: What is the what is the thing with Uh, Brody?
1: I just heard Gank mentioning that. So Gank,
2: his wife, his wife was diagnosed with MS.
1: Oh shit. Yeah,
2: so that I mean, no one can imagine what he goes through and what his wife's going through. But strictly from a hockey sense, I do agree with Chris. Like, you look at Brody. Um, yeah, he was with Gio. Maybe Geo is just that perfect partner for him, and maybe we look for a better partner for Hamilton, for example, so that we can maximize our uh, four defenders in a sense, right? Because was well, What's wasn't wrong with like
0: it. a Stone going with Hamilton?
2: Well, the guy who well, takes first care Stone of Hamilton no good. get in there. Well, Stone's no good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stone's no good. So I don't know if you want to. I, I, I think it's an injustice to a guy like Brody to be paired with him or anyone else for that matter. Like Stone, Stone had a few good games with Brody um, in the season, uh, but that was just for that was just forced by nature. Like we had too many injuries at that point, so they had to play together, right? Yeah. So um, I mean, he looked okay, but we can do better. We we can do way better.
0: But, I mean, I think, I think, as Chris was saying, you know, if you can package one of those defensemen, what about giving Valiamaki a chance? Adam Fox. Well,
1: Adam Fox hasn't signed yet, has he?
0: No, but, I mean, you say, hey, you're going to come into the team and you're going to play with Dougie. First well, 10 games, we're going right to give shot, it a
1: shot. Right? So you probably want to put him with, yeah, lefty on the, on the bottom pair. I think what's probably going to happen with, because he's two years away from UFA, Adam Fox. It, it, no,
0: I think it might be a year. It's close. It's close.
1: Because I thought they said they weren't trying to sign him this offseason. I thought
0: they. I thought he's staying in college for another year.
1: Yeah, I I know that. I think, but I think he's two years away from being able to become a college free agent. So I I could be wrong on that, but you have his rights right now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think something needs to be done. I think something needs to force this guy's hand to say, you know, we're gonna make this decision for you because there's a spot on the roster that we'd like you to take. And I mean, these spots become available when we move one of these guys out. With a package, say with a Bennett or a something, or a, or maybe we package Troy Brower.
2: <laughs>
0: but uh, I mean, you make that spot. I think it's time to give these young guys a chance, and uh, maybe that's the thing that we need to just switch it up. And on that topic, what do you what do you think if, if draft day comes along? Uh, what's the ideal draft day look for you, Jink?
2: Um, <laughs> where we announce that we fire a coach and. <laughs> And then uh, Burke self-fires himself. With our
0: <laughs> first pick in the uh, 89th overall, we are, are resigning.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're done. Everyone on stage um, is unemployed. I, I, want, I want the big trade. I don't think tinkering's helping this team. We've been tinkering for two years. We got worse. Actually, we've been tinkering for three years. We got worse. Um, we were tinkering the goalies. That didn't work. We went through six goalies in three years. So that that's... Uh, Failure of management right there. Um, I think we still make that big trade. Again, like, I know that most people won't agree with me, but when, you know, if Monaghan gets into a situation where he's missing 40 games a season because all of a sudden these injuries catch up to him because he's getting older, okay. I mean, we should have done it. But then, you know, the fan in me hopes that that doesn't happen, of, of course. So I'm not too keen on that. But we have to do something big, I think. Um Maybe we do look at trying to move like a Brody or or uh, someone like experienced in the back line there, and then bring up our young guys. But I expect a trade. I expect a couple trades in the uh, on draft day. Burke has a history of doing that. I can see him doing it again. I just assume he's our GM at this point. I don't think uh, Chelvings really a GM at this. Like I think he's going to get let go too. Uh, wow. I I don't think he's going to survive this season because. Again, like just look at us in the last three, four years. It, it's just not, it's not there. It's not getting better. And I just don't see... Whenever I watch the playoffs and I see these teams rise their level, we're weak, we are not capable of that. I watched that Vegas Kings game uh, a couple days ago. Vegas doesn't do anything different uh, in terms of... They, all they do is that they fucking play hard. They just play hard. There was a video of them practicing before the game, and all they were practicing was forechecking. Like, the simplest shit. Forechecking and face-offs. That's all they were practicing during that practice. That's it. And they won a ton of face-offs that game, uh, which were key. And their forecheck, the Kings could not keep up with them. The Kings were exhausted. But the Kings were exhausted. Like, exhausted. That second overtime... Even the Vegas, like, the Vegas players were getting tired, too. But when they're tired, the Kings were, like, drop dead exhausted. Like, they couldn't even handle it anymore. And the only reason why they survived those, like, five periods was because of Quick. Quick was like Gumby, man. Like, the guy was stopping everything. I I mean... Gumby? Well, he was... Dude, you should... I mean, did you not watch the game? I didn't watch Gumby. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't know. If, Gumby you've, stuff if, you've, if you've watched, if you watched the game, you would know exactly why I say Gumby because his legs were like fucking everywhere and bent in like ninety oh, degrees. Oh, that's what and, like, you mean. Okay, I get, it, I, get it, I get it. I get it. He's making ridiculous saves. It so um, he's like one of those Russian gymnasts yeah. who you know balances the bowling ball in her yeah, neck with or, their feet and shit yeah, like, like that. Like Romanian gymnasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know we don't need to do anything really different, but like the, we just need to change the atmosphere of this team, and there needs to be big moves and and whatnot.
0: Yeah. How about you, Chris? Draft day wishes.
1: For the Flames. Yeah. That they do something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that they do something stupid. Okay. What's your draft day wish for Edmonton? Oh, oh God. Um, I hope that. Well, what are they than, gonna other, draft? I'm hoping that they win the lottery and that the Islanders win the lottery with the Dude, Flames pick. The lottery. <laughs> <laughs> Stop <this thing>. deserves, <laughs> deserves got nothing to do with it. Uh, we didn't, you know, but. Um, if I'm the flames looking at draft day, um, I think you ought, you gotta keep your options open. If, uh, if a first round pick, uh, shows up on the trade market, uh, and you can make a move that makes sense. Um, I mean, first round, I, mean,
0: I think we make a trade for that first round pick. If we can get Kachuk's Kachuk's brother.
1: Yeah. But I that guy's going like
0: what? Sixth yeah, overall.
1: His numbers weren't quite as good as, uh, as Matt Kachuk's, So, but I mean, you know, they, they, they bring a lot of intangibles that, that seem to show up like, uh, I mean, Matt Kachuk just drives the other team crazy. He takes some dumb penalties, but it's like him and Nazem Kadri lead the league in penalty differential. So, obviously, they're doing something right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you, uh, you, you try to move up. I mean, you, even a second-round pick would probably help because like, you, you can never have enough draft picks. But I don't know if, if anything makes sense. I mean—
0: Where are the Oilers in the, they are like, what, probably— I believe s- they're, they're ninth. Nine.
1: They're ninth, so odds are they'll be they'll be ninth. I think they I think you get like a they have like a in total a fifteen percent chance of moving up, and like a fifteen percent of getting pushed back a little bit. But like it's like a seventy percent chance and, of staying at nine. And like
0: what a six or seven percent chance of winning it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you get an even chance at winning all three. Like there's three lotteries, right? There's one, two, and three. Um, so oh, there's a lottery for one, two, and three. Yeah, because three people win a lottery to move up.
0: Oh God!
1: Because I mean that's
0: uh, so they must to change that this year.
1: No, I mean it's it's I think it's always been that way, hasn't it? Because no, it hasn't. I know they switch it all the time because they want the Oilers to lose and the Oilers team to keep <laughs> winning, anyways. Jank. Because jank. Because a bunch of people running the NHL don't understand that probability is weird sometimes, and sometimes weird things happen. If you <laughs> that's what random... Ran, if sometimes one team wins three times in a row, that doesn't mean it's not random. Um, <laughs> but. I think the Oilers are going to pick around ninth. I think uh, in Chiarelli's uh, end-of-season press conference, he mentioned that uh, it's definitely on the table, uh, which I think is kind of dumb because the uh, Oilers, despite being awful, have zero cap room. And good players on cheap contracts are why Boston is incredible this year. So, uh, yeah, my my Oilers are probably going to do something stupid because Chiarelli has done that three years in a row, and... So it again.
0: you mentioned that the pick's on the table, and we've mentioned that Calgary would be interested in picking up a pick. If you were to create, in theory, a, a, a tangible and fair trade between Calgary and Edmonton that involves the first-round pick coming to Calgary, what would that look like?
1: If we send you nine and uh, Kyler Yamamoto for Dougie Hamilton, I don't know if the cap makes sense there, but something centered around that, do you guys take it?
0: No. No. I think I think I think I think the only players we aren't trading are Dougie Goudreau, Kachuk, and probably Monahan.
1: Okay, so you you think, you think- I think
0: maybe if you send, if, if, I don't I, I don't know. I'm biased, but like maybe something with Bennett. Like you're looking at Bennett and a Brody. Yeah. And then maybe you're sending us a first and something else.
1: See, the Oilers have telegraph what they cause they do every year. They say exactly what they want to do, and then they do exactly that. <laughs> It's, it's pretty frustrating. They've said that they're they're going to move heaven and earth to get a point-producing right-hand shot. So they're probably going to do something silly. Um, well, we don't have that. And the, the only reason I say that is because for some reason, there's a little bit of Phil Kessel to Dougie Hamilton, which which doesn't make sense to me. But for whatever reason, there are a lot of hockey people that just don't value him. They, they see, I don't know if it's something about his personality or, or what, but they just... For whatever reason, Dougie Hamilton is not discussed among one of the best defenders in the league. But I think I think he's valued in he Calgary. I hope I for the flame's sake, I hope so. But when you've got Brian Burke running a team and Dougie Hamilton, despite being like six six or something, is not a banger and a crasher. He's not the guy out there shouting all the time. He seems to be a more reserved, cerebral guy. I could Definitely see a Brian Burke-led team thinking Dougie Hamilton is what's wrong with this dress with your dressing room.
0: Well, I mean, again, if we're trading Dougie, it has to be the kind of trade where Dougie is saying, "I know why they did that." <laughs> but
1: uh, I mean, it's definitely wishful thinking on my part as an Oilers fan. Um, but I mean, just the, the noise coming out of Calgary is that there are very few untouchables, and I would say Dougie should be an untouchable. I'm just not sure. Very the very few out.
0: is Kachuk, Goudreau, Monahan, and Hamilton.
1: That's what it should be, and probably Backlund because of the contract. Backlund
0: is in that – Backlund is – he he'd be in a conversation, but he's not going to be leaving.
1: Yeah, and you shouldn't get rid of Backlund. He's like a I really mean, excellent defensive forward. Could you see the
0: Oilers going in for something for Carlson?
1: I don't know how that makes sense, even for um, – unless you got rid of – unless you made a really silly trade to make a cap space work, because there's only one year left on Carlson. And
0: yeah, but I mean he's coming and he signs, right? The chance you, to you play have, with yeah, McDavid. I guess
1: you'd have to make him sign, and it would have to make sense, but I don't see that happening without them trading Leon Drysidle. And Leon Dreisaitl's a lot like Sean Monahan. He's a young player. He produced a lot away from McDavid. Would you trade Carlson for Drysidle? If I knew he was going to be signed.
0: Carlson signs. Carlson stays.
1: I would, but I don't think the Oilers do it. Because I, th- I think uh, Eric Carlson is one of the 10 or so best defenders to ever play. I think he is that good. He's a, he's a good he, player. He has won, I think, two Norris trophies. He probably should have won five. He is an amazing skater. He'll run your power play, he'll play 30 minutes a night. He makes everyone better. Um, but I also think he's a year away from signing in Tampa to play with Hedman. So I, I think it's a really good issue. Yeah, uh, with Victor Hedman in Tampa. He loves Hedman or something? Well, didn't you see him? They are goofing off together They're in all the Swedish All-Star and game. And Iserman, Iserman was in deep on getting Carlson this trade deadline, a lot just like Vegas was. So this is all speculation, but I, my guess is that uh, a year from now, we're talking about Carlson to Tampa.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. That's a strong team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you see what the good teams do stuff like that. Pittsburgh probably didn't, well, they went out and got Phil Castle. They went out and got Broussard. They're, you can never have enough skill. And Victor's head, I mean, Eric Carlson is the most skilled defender in the league right now.
0: Yeah, by far. It'll be interesting to see what happens this summer and what kind of deals get done. For me, if we, if we get Chuck's brother on draft day somehow, I, I'd be pretty happy. I yeah. think the two of them playing on a team together.
1: Are they both left shots? I line? don't even
0: know where Kachuk's brother plays. Probably center, knowing the Flames. Of course he plays center. Of course <laughs> he shoots left. But I mean, we're in deep already on left-handed playing center, left left shooting center. So what's one more? It doesn't really matter. Oh, there you go. So just just to end it out here in a in a more fun and uh, goofy fashion, who who wins the cup?
1: I'm gonna say Nashville.
0: Nashville, Nashville, Jank. Vegas. Oh. Vegas. <laughs> oh. And I think I think Tampa wins it this year. I just think they're they're too strong.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be Boston, uh, Nashville, and then Nashville wins out.
0: Anything else you want to cover? You want to discuss? No. I wish I wish I wish it was better than it was, but it's not. So hopefully, um, hopefully we do things right this summer, and we come back next season, recharged, rebounded, with minimum distractions, ready to go. Chris, nothing else.
1: I'm just. Praying that my idiot general manager for the f- doesn't do something stupid for the fourth <laughs> off season in a row.
0: I heard they re-signed him. He's coming back.
1: I no, mean, he didn't re-sign. He, he had a five-year contract. Oh, so this is this will be year four. I think he's. It's pretty sure <sighs> Peter Chiarelli is been told one way or another that it's playoffs or he's getting fired next year. So he made a bunch of dumb trades when he wasn't under pressure. So imagine what he's gonna do when he is under pressure.
0: Dumb things, it sounds like
1: just look at just the look at the top scores in the NHL this regular season and like five of them were players traded by Peter Sirelli. And why does this <laughs> man have a job? It doesn't make any sense. I know you guys are ragging on for living for a couple dumb things he did. Peter Shirelli has made like five of the worst trades the last twenty years. Like it's it's ridiculous that this man <laughs> is still trusted to make hockey decisions.
0: <laughs> and on that note, we're gonna we're gonna leave it there. Ridiculous men making honky decisions sounds familiar. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Jenk, thanks for always being your inimitable self <laughs> with um, outlandish opinions um, that may or may not come to fruition. But it's always Fire everybody. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. We uh, we're gonna take a bit of a break here, probably until the the draft when you, we'll. You gonna
1: have me on when the Oilers win the lottery?
0: Yeah, we'll have you on when the Oilers win the lottery, but we'll have a bit of a break until the draft because there's not much Flames going on right now. So we'll be back then to see what the Flames do on draft day and what we think might happen in the summer. We'll probably do like a free agency, free agency draft day thing prediction, what we hope for, what things are going to look like then, uh, and then we'll be we'll be on break for the summer and we'll be back in August with uh, you know shaping up how the flames look from goalie D forwards, front office, and uh, how well the Saloms recovering from the uh, potential flood of 2018. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy the World Cup this summer too, whatever other sporting events you're going to do. Um, hopefully the snows melts and you can get outside and do the things that you usually do. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. we